Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible and it's within you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody is now living the best life ever, but it took some stepping out of her comfort zone. She's going to show you how it can be done. Here is your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, welcome to our very first live show. This is Fearlessly Authentic, and I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I am so excited to have you here. I'm about to cry. I'm so excited. And to welcome my guest and good friend that I've known for over 10 years, Mike DiMatteo. Mike, are you there? Look at that. We're live. Look at that. We are live. And After a lot of hard work oh, yeah, for the past man. couple months, yes. we're now live on the radio. We are live, and I'm so happy. Congratulations. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. Thanks for being here for my very first show. Absolutely. So much I wouldn't me. miss it, and I'm not sure I could miss it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't let you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I wanted to give you guys a little background on me, on Mike. You know, for those of you who don't know me and are listening for the very first time, I appreciate it. A little bit about Mike DiMatteo. He is from Connecticut. We're both from Connecticut. And he has so much here. I am actually going to read a little bit of it for you because my memory is not that great. Um, He has... uh, you know, done so much. He is the owner of The Establishment, which is an audio and video production company. Sounds very cool. I love the name The Establishment because it's so you. Um, Mike, what I love about Mike also is that he is an awesome storyteller and he really learned how to tell stories. I think you could agree when he uh, was an audio mixer Yep. On The Apprentice. That is correct. Super Nanny and Survivor. Pretty impressive yep. stuff. Was I, that, Tell me about that a little thank bit. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, it was what it was. And when I was a kid, I wanted to work in television. And when I turned 22, I kind of made that happen. How did you uh, make it happen? I jumped out of my scared zone. Okay. My little Connecticut box that I'd lived in, you know, I I had done some great things, played in a band, you know, did a little touring, um, had some, you know, adventures. But Mm -hmm. when I graduated college, I didn't know if I could make that next step to like Mm -hmm. go really do what I wanted to do. And that was be in television. And at that time, you know, media was different. It was LA or New York. Right. And even New York was a little... Um, you know, much lower maybe? scale, much oh, okay. lower scale than, mm-hmm. than it is now. Like it, they, it just didn't have as much, you know, there was ESPN over here and WWE, but I just felt like I didn't want to work there in this, in Connecticut. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to branch out, but I, I was very scared at the time. That's so cool that you did that. And like, well, I had a friend that you had a friend. kind of pushed me. Okay. Well, we always, we always need that friend to push you. So I want to go back and talk about that, but I want to finish talking about the things that you've accomplished so far in your very young, young age. Well, Um, (laughs) you were also a freelance audio, audio mixer for MLB, NBC sports uh, network, college basketball, as well as a musician, Uh, play many instruments. Saxophone is my main instrument. Yes. I've seen you play. That's the only one I'm good at. I no, you're, 
I, I have seen you play and you are fantastic. And it, you. you know, I remember watching you play probably 10 years ago when we first met. Um, on top of everything else you've done, you've also directed um, a documentary yep. back in 2015, yep. as well as, um, uh, what do I call it? It's something for National Geographic. I can't think of what I'm trying to think of the word for I it. helped create a TV show for National Geographic called American Chainsaw. And it was yeah. about a chainsaw artist, the machine Jesse Green up in Medway, Massachusetts. And we made a reality show about how he carves chainsaw sculptures. But the unique thing about Jesse, besides the way he looks, the way he mm-hmm. acts, he always mm-hmm. has sunglasses on and he's a great guy, is he's an artist. He doesn't just, you know, uh, he doesn't like cutting bears. Okay. He's made baseball bats. That's so he, cool. He made me a saxophone <gasps> as a joke because I told him we had to make saxophone for, I a, love for an that. episode. And he got mad. And I was like, I'm just kidding. And he's like, well, I actually made you one. That is and, very and he cool. he made a whole little shrine to the show. But he has a unique art style, and that's mm-hmm. what I loved about um, him as a character. And we met through Six Degrees of Separation from a college yep. friend. And then I partnered up with my friend Kevin Harris, um, who I had worked with on The Apprentice. He was an executive producer. And I went to him with Jesse, and we just kind of made a little triangle. And we got lucky, and we sold the show to National Geographic. And, you know, it lasted its eight episodes. There's mm-hmm. a whole, you know, reason of yeah, things that, that occur, reasons. but you know, we got a shot and we, we made eight episodes of television and it was, it was really amazing. Um, so sometimes this I because- look back and I go, wow, I hit it out of the park on my first one. And now I haven't sold a TV show since, but well, well, you know. wait a minute. I mean, all of those things happen for a reason. I truly believe that things right. happen for a reason. And you, you left Connecticut to go out to California to pursue your dream. And you got involved in these super amazing um, reality shows that really gave you a lot of experience dealing with all types of celebrities, um, namely our, our present president. Well, that, that, I mean, who knew that was going to happen? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, th- when did The Apprentice even start? We started it in 2003, and I was there from episode one. And I remember when my friend, who was a camera operator, was like, do you want to go out to New York and work on a TV show? Mm-hmm. And I said, when is it? He said, September, <laughs> October. And I was like, oh, playoffs. Red Sox, yeah. Yankees, like, of course I want to be in New York, even though I'm yeah. a Red Sox fan. Right. Of course I want to be in New York. But nobody even mentioned that it was with Donald Trump because a lot of those West Coast people didn't even know who he was. Right. So when they right. said Donald Trump, I was like, we're, we're doing a show with Trump? Yeah. And at that point, like, he was big, but not that big. And right. that finale, like, we were getting 23, 24 million people watching that show That is so a week. crazy. That is so and crazy. And then over the next, you know, 10 years – the ratings dwindled, although, you know, Trump will never say it. Still number one, 18 to 52, demographic number one, greatest show ever. So, hey, Come on, Mike. This is my show, all right? I mean, stop showing off. I, mean, I know you can do your but what happened? But what happened with that is it got even bigger because after he started running, the press mm-hmm. started calling again. They called my uncle. They would call my aunt. You're my kidding dad, me. You never told my me brother. that. Yeah, a bunch of us on the crew started getting calls because they wanted information or uh. dirt or stories and all these things. And they would come and and call all these people looking for you. And occasionally you'd talk to one and then you'd realize what they wanted. And it was like, stop. Yeah, right. You can't talk to I'm anybody. Not, I'm not getting into that. And and to be honest, it was just not something that I... I there was no, nothing... You're... 
nothing there that they wanted. They wanted to make things up. And, you know, most of us took the better approach and just stayed back. Right. You have to. I mean, you've, you've got your job and you've got to protect the people that you're working with, especially somebody who's in that position. And yeah, and you, know, I, you want to keep your job. Well, and I didn't think, not even the job, just the reputation. Like, I didn't think it was fair to do that to Donald Trump or any other celebrity Mm -hmm. um, because I've had conversations with other celebrities that were probably, you know, risque or something different or something that they wouldn't present normally. But they're all just kind of human beings, right? We forget that. Right. Which is the ironic thing. Everybody's a person and everybody has multiple sides to to their personality and... It's not just the persona you see on TV because usually that persona, it's like, I think about taking a comedian and people think they're these jovial people and usually they're the most depressed people. I'm just generally speaking, I'm not saying all comedians are depressed. Okay. You're absolutely spot on. Right. Spot on. Right. So you, you know, we have all different personas. I, I don't want to go into, uh, you know, but even when I was competing, but I want to finish talking about your accomplishments. Well, so no, let's, let me finish. No, let's go to you. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to just finish. I want to finish oh, just come on. here because matter we with need me to talk people about. Hear about you. I know we'll get I'm going to get we'll, back to that point. Don't worry. we will get there. We will get there. So besides being, you know, a producer and all these wonderful accolades, Mike, first and foremost is the husband to Jessica and the father to Daniela. And um, they are both beautiful human beings. I just am going to steal his little girl away from, I'm kidding, Jessica, I'm not going to do that. I mean, it just depends what minute of the day it is. (laughs) But I love her. I love her. And um, for any of those who are listening to my podcast, uh, she is the intro to the little girl's voice that you hear. That little four-year-old voice yeah, is. So keep listening because Jody will owe me residuals, and maybe I'll put the kid through college. Oh yeah, that's right. We never even talked about that. <laughs> um, so what brought you? And then we'll finish. We'll sw- we're going to switch. We're going to switch a little bit. I'm going to let oh, Mike yeah. take over a little bit because again, I want you guys to get to know a little bit about me. And uh, so you're out in LA. You, you're like you're working your tail off. You're, yeah. you're, you've, you're outside your comfort zone. You're getting this business. You're, you're, you're like really, really cutting your teeth on all of this stuff that you wanted to do. You're in TV. Right. And then what brings you back to Connecticut? I don't know if I'll ever know, but mm-hmm. at the time the, the, the TV work was great. And I, I was basically living like the touring rock star life that I wanted to, but, <laughs> right. but but at that time, I was never going to be the rock star. So I actually was getting paid to go on the road and do all this fun stuff, which was quite amazing. But I always had this other side, the entrepreneurial side of my, mm-hmm. my being, and, and not just the tech side, the producing side. So I, tr- I, I constantly was trying to do other stuff. And at that time, there was a few, I was hitting a few bumps in the road and a partner and friend of mine, like we kind of just started going different ways. Mm-hmm. And I just got this, I just got this vibe that I had, been to LA. I'd done what I'd done there. Been there, done that. And I was getting, I wasn't getting to the next step in my life. Mm-hmm. And Which I was felt what? Whatever the next step was. I, I don't even know if I'm there you now. E- but you didn't even know. Yeah. Well, one of them was definitely on the relationship side. Okay. I just wasn't finding what I wanted. And then on the, on the business side, I wasn't finding what I wanted. There, It's a lot of fly by the seat of your pants out there. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of 
a lot of talking, a lot of lip service, and that kind of drives me nuts as a New Yorker, which is sometimes why New Yorker style can't really go out to LA. It's it's this this mesh that has to be made, and it I don't know, never really clicked. Plus, I'm mm-hmm. you know me. I, you're when I'm from, done with something, I move right, on to something else. Sometimes, right. maybe not even when I'm done, and, I, and then I have 50 different things that well, I'm Well, and I can't even do. see you putting up with a lot of BS because- Yeah, it just, there was, we met, I met some of the wrong people. Okay. I met a lot of the right people in my industry, mm-hmm. but outside of that, some of the things I was trying to do, I met a, a, a wide variety of people, and, okay. and some of them were not the best. Okay. And so I just, I remember when I had it, the idea, I just said, you know what? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go back. Right. I told my roommates I was leaving. I went, went on a TV show. I forgot what I was working on, but I went away for a month. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, so you're leaving? I was like, yeah. When I come back, I'm going to pack and I'm going to go. So what did I do? I came back from a month. Right. In three days, I packed up the car and I drove back east. So that is one thing I know about you is, so we met 10 years ago. And approximately 10 years ago, maybe a little bit over 10 years ago, when I opened up my studio, Jody Fit, and a mutual friend of ours, somebody I had met who said, hey, I got this buddy who worked on these reality shows. He's super talented. He's a really cool guy. You'll really like him. I know you guys will really, you know, get along really well. You got to meet him. And we've got to do some videos to let people know that you've opened up Jody Fit. Right. And then you walk, and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. And you directed a video that we did. We did it at a big box gym that I was working for. We got the clearance that you could come in there. And, and we did like a reality type of interview with my clients. And you, you know, you directed me, you know, and you were really hard on me. And I hated you for being so hard <laughs> on me because I was like, I wasn't meek. I would never describe myself as meek, but you made me go to places in my brain and places I needed to go to get my message out. And that's what I do respect so much about you and why I think we continue to work on projects and we have been working on projects. But we well, posted those things on YouTube 10 years ago. Nobody well, even knew what it was. Yeah, that, there's, there's some funny stuff of me on YouTube from way, way long ago that is deep sixed in the, 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 the YouTube area yeah. that I don't even know how to find. <laughs> and this, this was in 2005, no, six, wow. seven, it may be. And, and Twitter was like that. Like we were, we were on it and I had no idea. And, and that right. might've been the biggest mistake of my life that I didn't know what Twitter would do, why it would work because right. I probably should have sunk a couple G's into that. But well, Hey, that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. You know, but I, I just I think we were ahead of our time, and you and I have talked about that. That we're we've always been a little bit ahead of our time. Where I, we've I tend to play that way because yes. it's like, and then by the time everybody's on it, I'm done with it. Right, right. That's how I difficult. feel. So, so when I I got divorced in 2002, and right. it was actually my he was becoming my ex husband who told me about hey go on Match.com, and I'm like what this was, you know. And that's ironic too, because it's about to be your ex. And he's like, hey. Right. Well, because he was like, you know, we were separated and it was a long story how I found out that he was on it. But then he told me about it, that he read about it in the Wall Street Journal. Right. And so here it is this thing that, and then the whole world is on match.com. But I just want to say I was on match.com in 2002. Wow. Like, wow. I didn't, I didn't get on match.com until, until I got back from, from LA. 
Yeah, but, so it was yeah, there's a, a few long, stories about Match.com. Yeah, for sure. That was the only <laughs> dating site on there. And so it was yeah. sort of like, you know, YouTube, nobody was on there. Match.com, nobody was on there. But, you know, when I would go back. That's how things go. Like when you're in the early adoption phase of yeah. these massive tech things, I mean, even invention, that's why it takes so much money to get a project or for you, in your case, your own business started. Right. Because these things are not easy. And so now I'm taking it back. I'm taking the control back. All right. I'll give it to you. I'm going to. We're going to ask you. I'm going to let you go. I I gave you all your creds here. About starting that business. Because I know you, you did. You said, I like to dig, I like to prod, and I like to poke the bear where. (laughs) Nobody wants to go. But to me, that's what makes a person fearlessly authentic and soulful. And it's like, what is in there? Because everybody, especially now, like every, right. you know, it's like, oh, I'm on Twitter or I'm on this. It's, it's, right. a, it's, a, it's a phony, not a phony persona, but it's a made thing. Communication professionals, we can make these things happen. People right. now are, 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 are keen to- Manufa- Almost manufactured. Yeah. But I mean, some of it's good and, and some of it's not. But the reason some, like the reason why Joe Rogan- just mm-hmm. signed the hundred million dollar deal with Spotify with him. Mm-hmm. is because you get to his soul and you just get to those things. So I want to know from you because that's what the, that's the story. My, that's my goal is because I I believe that I have so much to give. I've learned so much just in you know the hard knocks of life. I mean, I did go to college. I you know learned a lot about myself in college and after college and so on and so forth. But you know, it's been the hard knocks of life where I've really found out like who I am, who I want to be and and what I what I want to share with with everybody, you know, so who, what, who will listen to me. <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of listeners now. We're, we're live on Facebook and we're yes. live on the radio. Yeah, hopefully we're um, live on Facebook. I have no idea. Well, that yeah, that could be true. Yeah, we don't know. Um, but we're live on the radio and yes. so I I want to know what Uh-oh. it changes, but one one moment in your life where you said, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Like, and had that, like, and when I say, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Like, uh-oh, if I don't do anything, this whole thing could, could collapse down and we could be in some serious, serious trouble. I would say that I've had a lot of uh-ohs in my life. I want to know the one big one. Because I feel there's a p- pivotal moment that takes you from here to here where you're, where, where you've been at least for the last decade. So what is that moment? You know, I think the biggest, I wouldn't even say it was an, uh Oh, but it was like, Whoa, let me take a step back here. When I realized that I had made a promise to myself when I opened up my studio at 50 okay, I'm going to be 60 this year, at the end of this year, December 27th. And this is where I'm taking a step back, the taking all the knowledge that I've learned and saying, not an uh-oh, because I'm really happy with what I've done, but whoa, I, I'm going to change gears a little bit because the promise I made to myself, and I'm a lot like you, if I make a promise to myself, like you went away for a month and said, okay, guys, I'm going away for a month, come back, I'm packing my bags, going back east. It's a great right? impression too. Great I know, <laughs> I know, Jerry Seinfeld, that's why I told you you've got to watch that Jerry Seinfeld thing, because he, he does the-, he does the- But that's, that, that is the exact conversations <laughs> I have myself. It takes me a while, but once, once 
that happens, then there's no stopping me. I think I know you're a lot like that, but it's getting to that decision. That's the problem. Right. Right. How did you get to that decision? It's, um, I think it's about really having many, many, many honest conversations with myself and maybe asking the people that mean the most to me and know me the best to give me advice. I would say it's the people that know me the best business-wise, have a good business sense and know where my mind goes. Know that deep down, I'm the biggest friggin' scaredy cat in the world, but nothing ever stops me from taking that big, bold move because I know you know what I've learned the most to trust my intuition. And when I, in 2002, when I made that big decision to get divorced and change my family dynamics, that was the boldest step I ever made in my entire life. I'll, that, that probably well, that's is, tough, I mean, that's probably one of And it wasn't, and it took me a long time People in the world. Say that again. Yeah. No, I'm saying I think that that kind of step that uh, like a getting divorced step, there's a few steps that a lot of us have. A lot of people in the world have that you can actually go that that is one of the biggest ones you could make in a life. Right. Because it is it is a very, very tough decision, I would think, for you to make that or anybody that's been divorced. I haven't. But I mean, there's so many things on the line that you have to consider and, and, but, but, but you have this gut instinct that's telling you, but right. th- all those other things start to cloud that gut. And that's what I think makes the decision hard. Right. Yeah. Well, you, it's that self, it's that self doubt that we all deal with. It's that scaredy cat. It's that devil. It's whatever it is. It's that, you know, you're looking constantly. I know everybody has that Jiminy cricket person in their life. And I, you know, maybe it's your therapist, maybe it's your best friend, maybe it's your husband, your, your significant other, but it's that Jiminy Cricket that says, you know, go ahead, it's okay to make this. And so I started trusting um, my inner Jiminy Cricket. But when I was going through that change where I was going to change my entire family dynamics, it took me almost five years to make that big decision because I had so many, I had a life. I was married for 17 years. I had a life, friends, and so, so five, on. So five years isn't actually that long. When you, know, you consider 17 years, five is only, what, you know, 33% of that, really. Exactly. So I, I would think if you, if you make a decision to get married and you 17 years, like five years actually isn't that long. I mean, it's, it should be, right? You should put that much at least understanding into to well I tried to and what this? and what happens to me is that I usually it takes me a really long time to make a decision and a lot of my friends um misin, misinterpret that as indecisiveness when it really That's it really isn't it's just That's a matter of me um getting to that place where I'm not afraid to make that decision so or you have to convince yourself that you're going to put in the work and the time and the energy it takes to not just make the decision, but what happens after that, right? It's like working out or going into a competition like that. You know, if once you say yes, you're screwed because like you got to work out, you got to work to eat. Well, and that's that's what I expect from the people that are in my life, from my daughters, from the clients that I have, from my husband. Like if you're in, you're all in. Say you're all in because I'm an all in or or I'm an all out girl. But it takes you a little while to get to that decision. But once, yes. So which, you know that about th- me. Yeah. and I, But I mean, I would think, you know, it's probably a good idea because once you turn the switch, you know how you become right. and you know the effort and time and all that stuff it takes. And it's, 
you know, it's like, do I want to turn that person on and turn that side of my life on and right. go down that path? You right. know, it's not, it's not easy, especially like your competition thing, which I think we should talk to about after we go to break is, okay. is the prime example of making the decision is kind of, it's not the easy part, but once you make that decision, like saying yes is the easy part. Boom. It's making it happen. Making it happen. And that's where the discipline comes in right? and without the distractions. And it's so hard because life is filled with distractions and it's, Again, using that tunnel vision and putting those blinders on with every, with every big step I've taken in my life, once I did get to that point, I said, boom, I'm, the, I'm, I'm there. So um, it's, it's just, it's getting to that point, you know? Well, because I think if you, right, let's say, here's no, here's yes. If right. I say no, what else happens? Nothing. Nothing. If I say yes, all this happens, right? And I'm so, so glad. So, right, so that, action. It's like there's, there's no, no is an easy decision. It's right. easy to say no, but it's hard to say yes. So it should take you longer to say yes, because if you say yes after that point, you know there's a lot of work coming by. It's just like with marriage. If you say, eh, no, nah, it's all right. I agree. Then, then boom, you could sit home on your couch and do whatever you want. But even no, even no, and we're coming to a break in one minute, even no is a hard decision to make because well, you still t- you're still taking action. So either way that yes no yeah. that maybe is no I, man's land. I yeah, may, that's for sure. But I think no comes with feelings. Right? You have bad feelings. Oh, I didn't do that. I feel remorseful I didn't do that or I'm Oh my god, I didn't do that. But if you say yes, you're like I have to do all this or I'm a hypocrite. And that's one thing I don't like to be. <laughs> Me either. And we're going to so come back and we're going to talk yes. about, we're going to, we're going to talk about that when we come back from our break. Um, so we will see you on the other side, you guys. Thanks for hanging in there. See you in a few. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. 
Hey, welcome back to Fearlessly Authentic. I am Jody Harrison Bauer, your host, and I am back switching the seats a little bit here with my guest, Mike DiMatteo. And I'm going to just, I'm going to stop squishing around and I'm going to let him start asking yeah, me the hard questions so you guys can really get to know me. I'm Good thing we had a little break around. there. All right, let's, let's to come do in this. With, come in and get my little punch in. <laughs> All right, so, I'm, ready. I'm ready for you. All right, so before break, we were talking about making decisions and 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 no and yes. And, and I think yes is a very hard decision to make because once you say yes, you know there's all this work that goes along with mm-hmm. it. So I want to know when, where, and why did you finally make a decision to enter fitness competitions? Because that to me is... It, that's one heck of a decision because there is so much work that goes into that to get mm-hmm. your body in that good a shape and that kind of performance mm-hmm. is so, uh, everything is so minute, the, yes. the, the things that you have to do, but also the way you get docked points. So that would, to me, would be a very difficult decision. So I want to get into what and how you made that decision. Okay, that's what so I want to hear. Usually when I make a decision, it's totally emotional. And it's completely, (laughs) (laughs) it's completely emotional. I've been working out since I was 18 years old. I, you know, started dancing at the age of two. So I always had a fit body. I knew that even when I was working as a buyer for um, a store before I had my first daughter in 89, um, one of my clients uh, that I would go into the city, one of the, um, wholesalers said to me, you know, you have a really symmetrical body. You should think about bodybuilding. And I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to look like a dude. And she's like, no, no, no. You have such a symmetrical body. Like you've got great muscle mass. And I, you know, all I did was just work out. I was just, I've always been fit my whole life. But I knew that I always wanted to take my fitness to the next level. That was always something that I dreamt of. And I would look through Oxygen Magazine, which was the Bible of all the fitness girls. I didn't know that then. This was in the mid-80s. I was already married and working as a buyer and, uh, and working out. And I just said, one day, I looked in the magazine and I said, one day I'm going to be one of those girls. So... Um, it didn't go over very well in my marriage, so I didn't pursue it while I was married. So, boom, get divorced, boom, match.com, boom. How do I, oh my goodness, I've got to be the best role model ever for my daughters. But I needed something to empower me more so than, than anything in the world that I could think of. And I knew that working out lifting weights, running, jumping, whatever I was doing for my workouts, my cardio, but the lifting weight, I loved it. It, You know, I just had that body that just, I refer to myself as a mesomorph. So my body just loves lifting weights versus, you know, other people who are tall and thin, they're ectomorphs. I realize, you know, they don't work out for one day. My body holds on to muscle. So I realized this is something that makes me mentally and physically really powerful, but I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that when I worked out, I felt so, so good. So um, I met a young girl and at one of the gyms where I was, was a trainer and she said, you should think about competing. And then I went to go work out at at another gym by myself, I'm just working out. Some young guy, I'm in Hamden. Um, some young guy comes over to me, some really cute guy, you know, I'm single and everything. And I'm in my late 40s, mid to late 40s. And he's like, do you, do you compete? 
And I'm like, no. And he said, you should compete. <laughs> and I said, is, am I in candid camera somewhere? And so anyway, it was like the universe well, telling me. You heard it a few times. I heard it a bunch of times. So that to me, again, I didn't know about the universe. Um, the universe, somebody was telling me, get a coach, get into this, find out more about this. So long story short, I find a coach. I start and, and I was her oldest client. I was 47 years old. I had no idea that there were divisions or anything like this. I just wanted to get into, I wanted to become a champion. I knew I had what it took to become a champion physically. Right. And you had that desire inside your head. And I would think, and I'll ask, when you, when you got divorced, did you feel like, like, did, were you knocked down a few pegs on the confidence scale? Did you have any reservations about who you were and what you were doing? Myself, I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like I was completely yeah. lost in my marriage. The only thing I knew that I was a mommy. Right. I was a mommy. That's, I knew how to love my children and I'm sticking to that for the rest of my life. Right. Anything else that comes is I, just the cherry on top. And you know, right. And you know what? That, that's a great point. It's like if you are a mom or if you are a dad and that is what you do besides, you know, take care of the kids and make a living, if right. that's what you do, that's a great thing and you should yeah. do it well. Like it's, and, and it's a, it's a valiant thing that you should do and well, we should take pride in that nowadays. Yes. Big yes. And so I, it just, again, it was instinctual. It was innate. Like I, my kids came out of my body. I love them and they were mine and I'm just, just going to love them. So right. now I'm trying to figure out, okay, I know I'm a mom. I know how to love my children. What? But I need something more. I need but something. What about to, you too? Right. right. What do I need right. to feel powerful? So this led me to, you know, being forty-seven years old and competing against thirty-five-year-olds, and I was that's like, "That's a tough. This that's is a tough. tough. Tough road." Right. And then I realized I became friendly with the producer of the shows that I was in, who was from California, and I said, "Hey, you know, you you got a bunch of 45 and olders back here in stage. And like, there's enough of us to make a new division. Have you thought about adding 45 plus? And he said, let me think about it. He did. And then I went off. And after about a year after that, I, at the age of 49, became a two-time world fitness champion. What I realized. I mean, that's a crazy accolade when you think about it. Crazy, right? I mean, it's just. I thought I was so old too. Yeah, and and not just the age thing, uh, like out on stage, but we know our bodies change as we get older. Yeah, and getting the energy and the desire and the action it takes to get to that level at that age is is more more than age being a number and, and visual number, but the in, inner workings of a body to get to that level. The fact yes. that you could dial that in and you could find it means it's in all of us. If we right. choose to find that thing that discipline. will bring things out, right? And so, the discipline thing is is for that. It's got to be. I mean, one of the most disciplined things yeah. in, that we have in the world is how to create that kind of body. And I had no idea that that I already had that discipline. So what I found out about myself was that you know our coach would say, "Girls, no drinking," and I'm like. I'm, I'm, I don't drink, you know, yeah. girls don't go out late with your boyfriends. Cause everybody else who was competing was in their twenties. 
Right. And so, they could. <laughs> they could try and pull it off. Right? right. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm going to listen to everything this person tells me because yeah. I want to win. I want to win. And I want nobody, I didn't have any support at all. My children who were like, I don't know how old they were at the time, you know, seventh and eighth grade and then high school, they're four years apart. They were like, ooh, mom, don't do this. You're going to look like a man. And my parents were looking at me like, why are you doing this? And I said, because I want to. And then two good friends of mine said, I think this is really stupid. And I said, okay, talk to my therapist. She said, divorce them. I said, okay. Oh, see, when... I love when people say things like, that's really stupid, or you shouldn't do that, or like, that's, that's my sign to go, yep, yep, that's what I'm doing. Right. It gave <laughs> me- Sounds great. And I learned- Thanks for the push. Right. And I learned so much. And again, you know, this show is all about being fearlessly authentic. And what I didn't realize is that this, I wasn't going- taking that big first step of getting divorced, then taking this big step and throwing my 47-year-old butt on stage Mm -hmm. when nobody in my life supported me. Nobody. I had no support at all. You didn't even think your butt was going to support you at that point. No, my butt looked good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I looked good. I looked good because I was always working out, but my butt had looked really good. And because we had to do those back poses. and Yeah. I still don't know how you like- do it and and the, the muscle like that kind of body to see all those muscles it's like it's almost like when you're in science class and you see the drawing of the well you know the I didn't do bodybuilding you know it was bikini no, I know you did yeah 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 right. but but I, I mean but you still have that the the body has different yes. muscles that show up and yeah the, in a bodybuilder you get huge but like even in a bikini competition like yes. there's those extra muscles that you don't see that you've just yes. seen on drawings in science class are there. Those you know, glutes. You, you were in science, like, oh, the, oh those oh, muscles the hamstrings. Oh, oh, that the, oh, quadrisla- right. the, And when the you start to sleep. see it on a body, you're like, oh. Right. So we're not just learning that in science class. Exactly. Or it's not just something I complain about. Yeah. You can actually exactly. build that thing. Exactly. We can build that. And what's interesting is the reason that a lot of women don't compete at, you know, 45 and over is because we really don't have a lot of, you know, our testosterone levels are going down. And so it's not easy to build. So one of the benefits I had was because I started working out at 18, I had that muscle mass. It's called maturity, muscle maturity. And nothing looks more beautiful on a woman than muscle maturity. Like you look at any woman over 35, over, I'm going to throw it 45 and over because the 35 year old, you know what, you guys love you, but you should have muscle on you. Okay. And you 25 year olds, I don't even want to hear it. So, you know, it's Here we just, go. Jody Fitz showing up. But again, it's that it's, I didn't even think about the age. So I bring up the age because I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even, it didn't even come across my brain. Well, right. And, and though, because it was a challenge for you, right. A personal challenge. And let's just say there's another 45 year old or 50 year old that, you know, maybe doesn't have that would you say muscle memory? Uh, muscle. Well, there's muscle, muscle memory that you the, build. But the as, muscle knew it was there since it was 18. So correct. it wasn't just going to disappear. But there might be a 45-year-old or a 50-year-old out there or even a 30-year-old or whatever your age is that you don't have the muscles that you had. But you can go from here to here. Yes. As a personal challenge. Yes. And that's what it was for you. Yes. And then, you know, for you, yeah, you added a little sprinkle of I like to win. And when I, I get love in, to win. I when only I say yes, win. <laughs> yeah, but if you didn't win, you would no. have been fine because yes. you got there. But that, 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 that will and the desire to go the extra mile to say, I'm going to go, well, I said yes, so I'm all in. 
and I'm pushing all the chips in and That's I got right. a lot of stacks. I got a lot of money because I'm bringing it hard when right. I Right. And there wasn't going to be anything distracting me from it. And I would be right. my oldest daughter, who's now going to be 31 in a, next month, and my little one, who's 27. My little one was like my backstage mom. So I would be texting her backstage because it was the only way I would stay in tunnel vision. Right. And she would be like, mom, you got this, mom, you got this, mom, you got this. And like the, the, the guys backstage would be like, hey, you're going to be on in, in 40 seconds, put down the phone. But it was the only thing that kept me focused. It's like meditation. Like the phone was giving me that, that. And what I realized, this is the biggest takeaway. I know you want to ask me another question, but this is the biggest takeaway from anybody who is afraid to do anything. Like know what you're really, really good at. So I knew that physically I, I had the physique to compete. I could walk in heels. Um, but what I didn't know about myself that I discovered, and I think that's the cool thing about going outside of your comfort zone and listening to your instincts, listening to your gut, is that you learn other things about yourself that you didn't know you, that, that you didn't even know existed. And so I had this very competitive mind right. that I had no idea. And so 90% of what goes into competing in a show or winning has to do with your mindset. I just finished watching the documentary on the Bulls and Jordan is a prime example of mindset. Yeah, he had skills, but there's yes. people out there that just had those skills. Yes. When you watch that documentary and you realize how many moments in his career in the Bulls kind of run there were that were so pivotal mm -hmm. that somebody had to make a big shot or he had to you know, suck it up and get that last out ounce of energy, you realize that, the, that those things separating those people or that opportunity that's there, and when they take it because of their mental willpower to get there. Like sometimes that, that's what drives me nuts kind of about regular life nowadays because I- And regular people? Well, I just used to- You get annoyed you know, with mean, a lot of people. Well, depends. If we're talking about tech stuff and you, that's a different story. <laughs> Stop. But- My daughters um, are probably laughing right now. Yeah, Mom, we know about our texts. Yeah. But the, the um, I think the biggest thing was- it, like I grew up playing basketball and I was pretty good at mm -hmm. to a point. I never played high school, but what we learned from a young age was competition. Mm -hmm. And nowadays the business world isn't always like competition mm -hmm. and it's maybe in the bigger aspects of things. But, but a lot of times on the level where I am here and there, it's like you could lose out to the guy down the street that just knows people. Correct. And then how do you pit your stuff against somebody else's stuff? Like there is no winner or loser. And how do you see editing, for instance, as I do, as better or worse? And mm -hmm. do, does the average person see that? Or does your client see those things? Right. Or they feel those things? It's just a different ballgame. Sometimes I wish that life was like a basketball game where this deal that's going to go through, you're either going to win it or you're going to lose it, you know, because they beat you. Well, I think in it's, both of our businesses really and going thing. back to the competitions is that that was very subjective. Okay. Right. So, I mean, you did have numbers. They did right. use numbers to judge us, but the judges, it was subjective. It wasn't like, it's like ice skating, you know, mm -hmm. it's like a, um, a, a pageant, a beauty pageant type of thing. It's, it's subjective, but there are things that we needed to certainly do. You can't walk on stage and fall down and, you know, not have a spray tan on and put, you know, you, you had to look a certain way. 
but you had to look, you had to choreograph something and you had to have the right mindset to nail every single thing. So you think about, yes, you have to be disciplined with the food and the exercise, but when it comes to showtime, baby, it's yeah. all that choreography. It's that, it's those skills. It's that choreography. You got to nail it. You got 30 seconds to wow everybody. And you better nail it right I, then and see, that's there. That's what I love about finishing an edit or finishing something. And, and a lot of times in, in my line of work, like you're really, you're never finished. It's just taken away from you at the time. It's mm-hmm. taken away from you. And I'm sure my wife sees this and either, mm-hmm. either hate, probably hates it at most points. And then is the thing she probably loves me for is that yes. my desire to be a complete psycho lunatic and go in and edit and sit here and crazy like my hair is put together today usually <laughs> i know right, you're having you know a very me. good hair like everybody's like oh it's covid and my hair's all long i'm like well this normally happens to me go ask my hairdresser ashley she, i come in and the ashley salon, she's my hairdresser yeah, too the salon hi ash you go to the, my she, good friends all the yes. girls down there all the ladies down there go what is wrong with <laughs> like are you nuts? And I'm just like, cut my hair. Right. You know, and it's, I mean, it's literally out of control, but <laughs> that's the nature that, I don't know, invigorates me the most. Right. And, and I've had to get, I, I've had to become more used to balancing that out that I've been married to Jessica right. and now have Daniela. Right. Um, well, and that's, and we talked about that also. And, and I want to talk about that for you as well as for me. You know, we talked about the discipline versus distractions because oh. we're never going to get anywhere if we allow our something called life to distract us from what we want to be doing, we're never going to hit those goals. So if it means removing some people out of our lives or, you know, putting our phone away for two hours to stay disciplined, because maybe we are taking that really scary step. Maybe we are getting on stage. Maybe we are moving to LA. Maybe we are getting married or divorced or whatever it is. But if that's the decision we've made, then we have to stay focused on that and and stick to it for our own well-being. Well, I think that's a big problem nowadays that a lot of us probably have. I know I have it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I I you and if we're being fearlessly authentic, here's authentic <laughs> Mike. I am terribly distracted. <laughs> My discipline is great when I'm focused in on one mm-hmm. thing. But right. if I can't get there, I am so distracted and so and sometimes it's out of control. Um, okay, well, I, I do know that about you, um, but I've never really called you out on it. But can I just say that, can we go back to your editing for a minute? Yes. You are a maniac about it because we've worked on sound so many times, right. but I, I think you're wonderful and I love the way you direct me. And I, nice. I just, I want to thank you so much in front of all of these people. I want to say that you are a great director. Well, thank you. And the sound always comes out beautifully, even though I have to bug the heck out of you sometimes because you are being distracted. Yeah. Um, well, but I, nowadays. but I know how important, right. But I know how important your family is to you. And so, yeah. And you know, the last, whatever, even the last six, seven months, I've had all the, you know, I've de- been dealing with some garbage at my house. There's right. been some mold issues. We've been rebuilding. We've been having some sickness issues and a, a lot of these things. And now COVID hits and right. Jessica and I were like, oh yeah, we've already been here, done that. Right. You know, like we've already dealt with this mold thing, now this COVID thing. So what's the difference? And so I have been really distracted. And I think a lot of people out there are probably feeling the same thing now. But I think before this, it's like whether it's Facebook or whether it's 
you know, lately I've been, been making, uh, I'm getting to the decision in my mind mm -hmm. that I want to be a better investor and a better trader with my oh, money. Okay. Because a lot of times I've, I've, I get in, I do pretty well, and then I take my mind off it, mm -hmm. and then I don't trade. And then, you know, I still have stocks that I had in 2011 that went from here. Right. So and then I look the at distractions. Myself. Yeah. And I look at myself and I go, not only am I distracted and didn't just brush my teeth five minutes ago <laughs> or forget to do this, but I just lost how, how much money? Right. Like, am I, am I stupid for doing that? Yeah. So right. now I'm looking at this point in time and I'm getting to that decision where it's like, it's time to start worrying about my investments and my money. Mm-hmm. On a, on, a, on a regular basis to put that into my life because money doesn't mean everything, but it keeps me sane when I know that I have the ability to, um, to do things without stressing because I can tend to be, I can tend. You tend to I, be stressed. I, yeah, I tend to be stressed when, yes. when, when money becomes an issue. And but I think- I, I, I don't want to be that way. Right, right. And I think that's a very normal thing. I think people get very stressed about money. People have been very stressed about money. People have been very distracted by being stressed about money, particular, particularly right. during and this time. And that's a distraction because I, know, I, I right. know what I do and I know I can invest and I know I've invested before and I know I know the market and I know these things and I can learn more. There's absolutely, right. but part of, that, part of that discipline is going to be me learning more. And being right. more comfortable with my trades. But I really have to worry about that now because before I didn't. Now I'm married. I have a kid. The house. Now that right. the house is in shape, like all these things. And it's like, oh boy, now I got to, this is, this is adult <laughs> life. Right. You're adulting. Didn't you just turn? Uh, yeah, I just turned 40. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it so, sounds so young, but listen, it is. When, when you talk about all those shows I worked on, that was like when I was 23. I, I used to shut my mouth when I got into that industry because so I, I didn't want the guy next to me to think, oh, this guy's a know-it-all. And I'm like, Right. Oh. That's really, really important. I can't believe we're, we're like literally 20 years apart, but you know, right. it doesn't make a difference because age doesn't define me. It doesn't define no. you. It's never defined me in anything I've, I've done. So It does when you open your mouth and start talking about like, like in that situation where I was, if I opened mm -hmm. my mouth, I was making the same as the guy next to me that probably had been doing it for 15, 16 years. Right. So you know what? Best that I shut my mouth and I listen to everybody around me, do my job, let my personality come out and learn the things because they will teach me if they like me. Correct. And that's so, what happened. I need to ask you a question. Yeah. We keep switching the tables here. All right. We could, we could talk forever. Let's, yeah, we could. We could, that's for sure. So what does fearlessly, you touched on it for a minute, this show, I wanted to create a show that was to inspire and empower people. And a lot of the things I think we talked about are inspiring and empowering. What does the word, would the words fearlessly authentic mean to you? Oh, boy. You got me. Come you put, on, you, Mike. You, you, you throw it back at me. You, That's you right. You get into my gut. See, that's now, right. Not only can we talk for a long time, but we can also listen, is which, and, and that's what we do with each other. And that's why we actually get along. And even when you want to kill me or I want to kill you, we don't. Mm -hmm. Because we listen and, and we calm down and we, and we recognize what our goals are. So fearlessly authentic in my world, I think I started becoming fearlessly authentic probably my junior year in high school. Mm -hmm. I just finally felt confident with myself. I'd always had a lot of friends, 
but I was always very calm and very quiet. And my mom would describe me that way. And then really? junior, yeah, junior <laughs> year in high school hit. And, and I, it's, I'm not different soul wise, but mm-hmm. I am more boisterous. I'm more out there. Like I just, it's something clicked. I don't know. Even my mom will tell you just one day he walked, you know, it's like <laughs> junior year of high school and it was like, okay, by senior year of high school, I had the Mohawk. It was blonde, blue, that. orange. Like, yeah, I, I didn't care. You didn't I care. I felt that was me. Mm-hmm. And I got into ska and punk rock music, mm-hmm. and I used to go to the Tune In down in New Haven, which was like RCBGBs. I don't even and know what that I, is. Yeah, the Tune. I mean, every band came across there, no doubt. Sublime when they were rancid. The Specials. I mean, Hate Breeds from here, Spring Hill Jack. Like all these bands, all these people came through there, and I was like the normal kid looking down right. there. And now but all I, of a sudden, you embrace all, this new... Yeah, because all those people were like so cool to me because they didn't care. They'd walk around with the spikes. They'd walk around with the boots. They'd walk around and just be who they, they were. And I wasn't necessarily that person. But at Paradise Country Club, I was the only guy playing tennis with a mohawk. I love it. Like, Wait. I just knew that what I liked, what I wanted, I was going to do. And what I wanted to say, I was going to say. And how I'm going to act is how I'm going to act. And I'm going to be respectful of things. But being fearlessly authentic to me is being smart inside, getting all your directions in your head mm-hmm. and where you want to go, and then going there. And not, Thank being, you. You know, not being a jerk. Right. No, fearlessly being, authentic doesn't mean to be a jerk. You don't have jerk. to be like, I'm all over here. I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm not doing this because I want to do this or I'm putting on a show. Like, this is me. This is how I feel. Thank you. Thank you for and sharing that with me. that's fearlessly authentic. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I urge everybody out there to grab that, that scaredy cat inside of them, pull it out and, and live their life fearlessly authentic, just like Mike said he started doing his junior year in high school. So, Mike, thank you so much for being on my very first live show. You're welcome. I and guess what? It. That's number one. Show number one. Show number one. Boom. In the books. Put a stamp on yes. it. Yes. And if, thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Good job. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.